How is it going, guys? Welcome to the Serious Angler Podcast. For those that are new to the show, the Serious Angler Podcast is created to highlight the many dedicated and passionate anglers in our fishing community today. To be able to provide them with an opportunity and a platform to share their story with the world. Thank you guys for listening, and if you're not already, head over to my YouTube channel called Igbra Outdoors and click that subscribe button. Thank you guys for listening, and enjoy today's episode. In today's podcast, we hosted Ryan Lambert, who is one of Kayak Bass Fishing's best, a host on Kayak Bass Nation podcast, and is a wizard behind the camera with all of his different outdoor media projects, which you guys will hear about in today's podcast. Enjoy. I think we're all set. All right. Welcome back to another Sears Angler podcast. With us today, we are joined by Mr. Ryan Lambert. How are we doing today, sir? Pretty good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Uh, how I start every podcast uh, for everybody listening is we like to hear your story of how you got into fishing and who got you into it, who fired up that passion of yours that still is around today. So I want to hear all about it. Um, I, I grew up fishing with my grandpa. He was a farmer here in uh, southeast Tennessee. And we used to just go out, you know, with crickets or red worms. We dug out in the field and catch brim, crappie, catfish, whatever we'd get our hands on. Uh, that kind of stuck with me. And then uh, when my, I've got a nine-year-old daughter. And when she was about three, I wanted to, to get her out and, you know, get her on the water. So I went and bought a tandem kayak and started taking her out on the same river that my grandpa used to take me fishing on. And we would... You know, same deal, throwing rooster tails, catching rim, white bass, striper, whatever whatever we could get to hit. Yep. And uh, then, then I just kind of branched off into bass fishing from there and uh, started doing all these tournaments. And I don't even know how I ended up where we are now. And now, now it's all in the past and you're looking forward and you're a top 20 in the, the nation in kayak bass. I think it's kayak bass nation standing or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff Mallet, he does like power rankings. Basically, he takes... Uh, you know, the, the big national events from all around the country and kind of averages your, your top five finishes, but also takes into account like your overall finishes. So <laughs> I had a couple that, uh, that, that knocked me out of uh, a little higher finish on that due to my own misfortune. <laughs> yeah. Still be up there though. You gotta be pretty proud of yourself. It was fun, man. It's been a good year. It's been a really good year. Yeah. Is there any like certain tournaments you want to, you want to highlight? Uh, I mean, a lot of them were really enjoyable. The national championship is, is my favorite from the social aspect of it. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a headache on the water because there's so many people, the ramps are packed. Like it's, it's a shit show, but getting, you know, to be around all your friends from all over, all over the country in one place, that part's awesome. I love it for the social aspect. The, my favorite tournament as far as experience goes was the tournament of champions uh that's the top 50 in the country like you have to bust your butt to qualify it's not you know they're not just handing out coupons to to get to go fish the tournament uh that was awesome uh Iconelli was there he you know hung out with us every night they catered meals every night you mm -hmm. got like a 300 freaking gift bag for you know qualifying for the tournament i mean it was it was next level. Uh, that's my favorite uh, for the season. That was my only goal this year was to qualify for that tournament. And how did you end up making out on that one? Dude, um, 
So we were in Arkansas, and it's deep, clear water, traditionally like a spotted bass lake. So I found some fish pre-fishing, and I I caught a lot of fish. They were schooling fish. Uh, So I was catching them on topwater, jerk baits, um, and I really thought I felt good. I felt like I was going to, you know, put up a good limit on day one, have no problem catching fish. So I go out and I caught like an 18 inch spot on a football jig first thing. And I was like, all right, you know, we're, we're in good shape. (laughs) I didn't get another bite, like seven and a half hours. I didn't get another bite. And like these tournaments, they're, they're a mental game as much as they are anything else. Like you can know all the presentations and, you know, every bait in the world, but it's in your head. Like you, you still have to figure out, you know, what's changed with these fish, why they're not, you know, responding to what you're doing. So I I went back to the cabin and I was like, you know, I'm just going to fish the way I like to fish at home. I I know this is a spotted bass lake. I got it. That's cool. Apparently I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) catching spotted bass. So I found these little islands uh, out in the middle of the lake and I started flipping a creature bait in like a foot of water. And I had, I think that's, second or third largest limit on day two. Wow. Uh, so, so I drilled them on day two, but I mean, it's a learning experience. I, we didn't get out there until like a day before the tournament. And I had two dead batteries on my truck that morning when we got up to pre-fish. So that wasted half a day of pre-fishing. I mean, it, and ultimately it was preparation. Nothing you can do beats time on the water. So if you really want to do well in a tournament, I mean, it sucks, but drive out there two or three times on a weekend or take a week off work or, or whatever. But time on the water is is the key, and that's what bit me on that one for sure. Oh, it's huge, yeah. More time learning a lake and learning its patterns is, like, not only good for, for you, like, your knowledge-wise, but mentally it kind of calms you down. You feel more confident going into that tournament morning. But, that's I mean, true. it's it's an honor in itself to, to be invited there. So I think That was awesome. Yeah. And it sounds like it was an amazing experience. So, I mean, I would. It was, and I think Jody Queen, the guy that won, he won like twenty grand or something for a tournament with fifty guys. I mean, that's that's a that's a big return on investment. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and you see that more and more now as all these bigger tournaments as kayak bass fishing keeps growing. There's going to be more payouts. There's going to be more opportunities, bigger opportunities. You know, it's it's cool to see the different anglers coming out of the woodwork that you've never heard of before. That are these amazing anglers. And you, without these tournaments, you would, would have never heard of them. It's you can. It's learn. the national level stuff is where you really see. I mean, it's one thing to be a stick, you know, in your own backyard, but you know, when you can travel around and consistently put up big bags of fish, that's how you know when they've got it. Oh yeah, and that, that was one thing we kind of talked a little, for a short period of time offline before we hopped into here was that you you travel a lot for work, so that's how you kind of go about your your tournament schedule. So how do you go about planning out your, your tournaments? Is it kind of like, oh, next week there's a tournament here? or is Yeah, it- I'm not organized at all, um, <laughs> period. Like, honestly, for our local trail, me and my buddy Steve Owens, he's a tournament director for BASS now, their kayak series. But uh, if he doesn't call me that week and tell me there's a local tournament, I have no idea. Like, I forget it. I mean, I know I know when the bigger tournaments on my schedule are, for the most part. Some of those I still miss, but yep. I try to keep an eye on Facebook posts and social media, who's talking about what. And then uh, 
I cover the whole Southeast for my job. So generally speaking, I can find somewhere, you know, to work that's near that body of water uh, for that week. That's usually how I like to do it, or maybe even two weeks out, depending on, on what tournament it is. Uh, for the for the bigger ones, like the national championship this year is like 20 minutes from my house. So oh. I won't have to miss any work. I'm not even going to pre-fish that one. Um, but like the Hobie Seminole event, we're taking a week and we're going. I, I'm going to get down there the Sunday before. But the rest of my buddies, they're coming in from California and Florida. And we rented a house starting Wednesday. So we're going to be down there and get a couple days to break down Seminole. And uh, that's if I could get the the TOC qualifying out of the way early, uh, that'll take a lot of stress off going down the road. That's the one tournament I don't want to miss. I don't care what else happens. I want to be at the TOC. Nice. That's a good goal to set for sure. But I kind of want to backtrack a little bit. You said you're not going to pre-fish the national championship? Not even run your spots to see if they're there? Uh, They're there every year, man. So you're just confident each by each year that they're always there. Where, oh, okay. And I, went, I didn't fish. I didn't fish my A spot this past year. The Gunnersville tournament was the same time, and myself, a guy named Jody Campbell, who's this old logger from out on the mountain. He's a good old boy. Him and his son Garrett, we all fish the same area, and I, I was afraid that they would need my spot to finish their limit in that tournament. So I went somewhere completely different, found a great pattern. Uh, Jody and I went back and forth all day long, first and second. And he was where I like to fish. So he didn't even use my spot. They went over there and couldn't catch anything the way I like to catch them. And I was like, man, maybe the fish moved or something. The fish never move. I wear them out right there every year for like six weeks. So I went in there and like my first cast was like a 23 inch large mouth. <laughs> and, I, and I called Jody and I was like, man, I thought you said these fish weren't here. He's like, I couldn't get them to eat. So uh, <laughs> that being said, those fish, are, they're, they're right there at that time uh, every year. I sent AJ McWhorter down when we were fishing the FLW kayak event on Nickajack. I sent him to Gunnersville on my spot, told him the cast to make and the bait to use. And I think he caught nine fish over 19 inches uh, that afternoon in like two and a half hours. Dang. It's going to get ugly. <laughs> so that's, I'd say you're pretty confident going into that one then. To have I'm a... done. Like, honestly, to be honest with you, man, I, I am uh, I, I'm not going to fish anything else KBF next year, uh, just the national championship. That's my going to be my last, my last run at it in that tournament series. Now, what's your? I'm just curious what your your reasoning behind that. Uh, I mean, I've been fishing them for four and a half, five years now, and uh, you know, we just keep. It, it's the same same issues that come up over and over again: payouts and and structure and organization and rule changes and location changes. And I mean, I I'm just now that there's options that are doing it right out of the gate. Uh, I would much rather invest my time in fishing a Hobie event where you have the same number of competitors and three times the payout. I mean, it's just mad. So makes sense. That's the way I'm going to go. What's your, what are your thoughts on the new, um, the BASS kayak series? I'm excited about it. I I talked to, uh, to some of the guys in the development process of it, like helping secure locations and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, on the local level, I think they need to streamline their their 
kind of admin fees up front, I guess, because you have to buy like a bass membership and then yeah, state dues. And if they will just give one number, and I've given this feedback to, to Steve-O and to Dwayne Wally, if they just put out one number and keep it simple, that's going to help them a lot in the long run. Ultimately, I don't care if you're paying out 80% or 75% or whatever. Just tell people up front so it's not a game. Like, don't advertise, oh, we're paying out 120%, and then you run the math on a tournament, and they profited $12,000 that wasn't in the pot. I'm not saying it's wrong to make money. Like, it is a business I completely understand. Just be up front. That's, and, and I think if they do that, which they have so far, uh, I think it's going to go really well. I'm excited to fish. I'm fishing the Logan Martin event and uh, try to get on stage at the Classic. I think that's going to be cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how, the, you know, the emergence of all these different um, leagues and, and series and whatnot. And it's actually um, sitting right here in front of my paper. I have a to-do list, and it's actually to research the, uh, the Bassmaster series because I'm trying to – I'm from New York, so I don't know if there is one in the Northeast yet, so I'm trying to – figure out my way into that i but think it, there is if i'm not mistaken each yep, state oh. each state has a director oh. and i'm not talking about for kayak fishing i'm talking about overall bass nation has a director for each state oh, okay and i'll have to research that and see who it is for for new york but I, i'm hoping because i'm fairly you know familiar with all of our lakes here in new york that i could put up a good fight but it, it'll be it'll be interesting and um like I said, I've, n- I've never even done an a actual KBF event uh, alone from a, you know actual state regional one. Yeah. But it's um, the Hobie ones I've seen growing more and more. And one of my buddies, Greg Blanchard, fished the TOC as well. And I know Greg very well, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a hammer, and he's, he's been doing well. He's been looking forward to the Hobies. He mentioned the other day he was on the podcast, and he's looking forward to the, uh, the Hobie tournaments just as much as you are. Yeah, I like Greg a lot. He's a good dude. He can catch fish anywhere. Greg's a yeah. stick. Yeah, very genuine, down to earth guy. So it's, it's and that's one other thing. Like we highlight every kayak angler or uh, even boaters that uh, that come on this podcast have talked about, you know, the kayak angler community and how genuine. Obviously, you're gonna have your, your uh, some of your dummies here and there, but you have for the most part, everyone's pretty pretty genuine, down to earth, friendly more supportive than you would at the, some of the these cutthroat <laughs> bass uh i bass. mean i i've taken part in the generosity of kind of the, the industry i flew out to texas and stayed with matt scotch and guillermo gonzalez for a few days and, and went and hit some of their honey holes i go down to florida and brandon barton will bring bring me a boat and rods and and we go fish i mean i've had i don't know six or seven guys coming through to fish chickamauga or gunnersville stay at my house here uh it's it's, i mean that's just how it is and it's kind of universal i went to south africa there's a guy that kayak fished over there he took me out camping for a weekend brought two kayaks we stayed out on this big ranch and caught huge bass all weekend i mean it's it's something that that i hope as the sport grows and there is more money and industry involved in it that it I, i hope it maintains that that identity I think so too. I I hope so. Yeah, I I am complete agreement with that. I think it's kind of you know, I think that's part of it's kayak fishing's brand in a sense. It's starting to grow on. It's just the community side to it is unlike anything else. Um, you know, kind of you've heard of. Obviously, there's hostility in every avenue you're gonna go through, but it's it depends on the obviously the extent. But 
Dude, I have to ask, how how was bass fishing in South Africa? That's that's crazy. It was awesome. It wasn't at all what I thought it was going to be. I was thinking like some muddy river and hippos and crocodiles and stuff. <laughs> it turns out like. those those animals only exist in like parks. Like they're not like <laughs> they're not roaming the streets of South Africa. So we went. Uh, it's called Newcastle is the name of the place, and it's like up in the Highlands. It's a huge plateau. And the, okay. the temperature dropped like 20 degrees. And there's these, they call them bass dams, but they're huge lakes. And that's what uh, the farmers use to irrigate their crops and, and water their cattle. Yeah. But the growing season in South Africa is similar to like Florida or Texas. Like the fish are growing almost year round. So wow. uh, I was asking the guy that took me, uh, Ivan, I was like, so what's the biggest bass that's came out of here? And he said, well, the farmer's daughter caught like an 8.16 kilo bass. And I was like, I was like, that's like 16 pounds. And he's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Like standing Sheesh. on the bank with a rattle trap. <laughs> that, that is incredible. So what was the biggest one you caught out of there? Uh, nearly eight pounds. It was a, of course, I can't, like, no matter where I go fish, it's always a freaking cold front. It's, I mean, something. And sure enough, man, the temperature dropped like 40 degrees uh, within the matter of a day, and it was piss pouring rain. And I mean, I kept fishing; I don't care. Like I'm over there, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna do it. But yeah. uh, we caught a bunch. I think we caught it was something like a hundred and thirty something fish in two days. Wow, that's pretty, pretty busy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and with that temperature drop, who knows what it was? If you know. If it had stayed consistent, who knows? Uh, he sent, like, they went back the next weekend and sent pictures. I mean, massive fish. And they had never thrown, like, football jigs, never thrown a Ned rig. So I showed them that, and they're like, oh, God, it's magic. Like, they just threw, like, frogs <laughs> and flukes. Like, that was all they fished. That, I mean, I can't go wrong with throwing a frog all day, every day. <laughs> they did it, man. Like, they did yeah. it. 30 feet of water, throwing a horny toad. They don't care. I knew they had – um I remember what it was called, but they had like the world championships. The you know, Pan some... Am, Pan Am yeah. World Championships, yeah. Yeah. So how close was it to there? Was it in relative? Uh, no, it was a couple hours from there, but they've uh, so FLW has a has a league in South Africa, and now they're starting a uh, kayak fishing league, and they're doing uh, kayak fishing magazine articles. I'm actually helping my buddy Ivan work on a, an huh. article for the FLW South Africa right now. That's pretty sweet. And what what's your role in that? I have no idea. Answer questions, write stuff. I don't know. That's like he's cool. he's talking about doing like basically kind of telling the story of me coming over and like teaching him some of the tricks from from over here that that he's taken and applied to kayak fishing over there because he won like the next five or six tournaments after <laughs> after he learned what a Ned rig was. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. So kind of. One thing I noticed with your your social media profile is that you're into like outdoor media and stuff like that. I do everything. I can't sit still. Uh, I have like I have freaking cameras and hard drives and memory cards laying everywhere. I like I love hunting and uh, I took up kind of the photography videography side about two years ago uh, from from working with Native doing their their kayak fishing. You know promotional shoots and stuff yeah i started talking to the camera guys and i was like you know what are you doing here like how how, do you, how are you making money doing this and uh you know they told me kind of the equipment that they use and how they went about it and 
I don't know. I just decided I wanted to try it. So went out and bought a bunch of crap and now <laughs> work with uh, a few different companies on different projects. Um, uh, I did an elk hunt in September. I shot some stuff for uh, Kuyu and uh, Under Armour uh, doing that. I, I do some duck hunting stuff with frog dogs. Uh, just whoever, whatever I can luck into. I had an ammo company call about two hours ago. I'm going to start doing some work with them. Uh, like a tungsten ammo, we're going to go do a bunch of turkey hunts and stuff in the spring. So, Wow. That, dude, that's got to open a lot of avenues for you then. It's, I mean, it's a good connection point to be yeah. able to network around and meet these, you know, bigger companies that are taking an interest in this stuff. And it's a whole lot easier to draw them into the kayak fishing side uh, from a sponsorship side as well. Yeah. So just kind of curious, you don't have to answer this if you don't, if you don't want, but do those companies reach out to you or do you reach out to them for those opportunities? Depending on what the project is. So I had actually, I know a couple guys that work with Under Armour in Texas and yeah. I had talked to them and they do, uh, it's like a content creator program basically. Um, and it just so happened to be like a month before that elk hunt came up. So that was just timing. I know the I know Will Fowler, the guy that owns Frog Togs, and he's they're about an hour from here in Alabama. And I've had a relationship with them for a couple of years. So I, I work with their marketing agency. Whenever I have a project come up, I'll send them an email and say, Hey, this is like this weekend, for instance, I'm going to North Carolina to hunt swan, tundra swan, and then sea ducks in Virginia. So I just send them an email like, Hey, you guys interested in any of this stuff? That's pretty sweet. Yeah. So you have any, besides obviously the, uh, the ammo company, I, do you work like communicate and work with those companies consistently or is it just random projects that come up? Random or? projects. I mean, it's not like a, you know, this much content for a month or whatever. It's just yeah. whatever I have coming, I'll, I'll offer it up and see if it can benefit any of them. Do you have any like big projects that are coming up for 2020? Um, the first one's going to be this weekend's hunt. And then after that, uh, after that, I'm going to really focus on Seminole pretty hard. And I'll yep. probably do um, like a springtime, you know, pre-spawn fishing project. Um, because once that happens, turkey season's going to start and yep. the national championship and <laughs> BASS on Chickamauga, like once, once spring rolls around, I mean, my projects don't really do much until summertime. I usually have some free time and in the fall, depending on the, the tournament schedule load, yeah. uh, I can usually get a couple projects in. We're going back to Idaho for 10 days uh, to do elk, mule deer, whitetail and antelope. I just got the tags in the mail for that. So that is awesome. fun. So when you're, when you're going on these trips, are you filming the entire time or are you getting to hunt as well? No, no. I hunt like the Idaho trip. I hunted nearly the entire time, which I didn't realize. Number one, I'd never seen anything like that before. So I had no idea what it was going to be like this yeah. year. We're doing 10 days because I want to take five days and hunt myself and I want to film for five. So I get, you know, plenty of organic content, you know, like yeah. real world hunt stuff. It was much more difficult than I thought to hunt and film this year. Like it was, it was a headache because <laughs> you're like uh, yeah. in these thickets chasing these elk around everywhere. You never know when one's going to pop out. Do you want to have your camera? Do you want to have your bow? Like what? 
what's your priority? So uh, I want to try to structure that a little better. Now, is that with a, do you have like a crew with you or are you trying, are you self-filming these? No, self, like I, well, so there's four of us that went this past time. So we would usually hunt in two each. So it'd be a guide and two hunters. So my idea was (laughs) I'd be able to film the other guy, but I mean, it was just such chaos. Like it, it didn't, uh, it didn't go as smoothly as I thought I was going to. (laughs) And nothing's ever perfect, right? But you got to work for that content. I'm sure. Wild animals are a little hard to control, so <laughs> they don't always do what you think they're going to. Exactly. Yeah, but I'm sure you got some amazing shots from that. Oh yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah. I'm working on editing that video now. I've got like two or three that I hadn't put together yet. I've got one, uh, a striper fishing project here locally with uh, a guy that lives like literally lives on the riverbank. It's going to be pretty cool. Uh, I just did a crane hunt yesterday i edited it and put it out last night i've got a red fishing trip with matt van and brandon barton in florida i've got to finish editing like i don't know i got a ton of stuff and then the idaho trip from this past year <laughs> that is wild uh did you say a crane hunt yeah Sand Man, Hill you can hunt those. oh yeah we draw tags so we had yesterday i think we had 12 tags to fill so we went out and shot Shot a few cranes yesterday. That's pretty wild. I had no idea. More it's know. like duck hunting except bigger. Or yeah. <laughs> it, really, it's more like field hunting geese. Like you're on dry land, you have yeah. field decoys out, and these huge like pterodactyls come in and land in front of you. At least you have a bigger target to shoot at, right? <laughs> <laughs> you would think. You would think that yeah. their body is actually they're slender, small yeah. under those feathers. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. So, how long does it take you to to edit one of those videos? Uh, depends how motivated I am. <laughs> so, so the, the crane hunt I did for the outfitter service up there. So yeah. I wanted to give a pretty quick turnaround on it. Uh, I did it in probably four hours last night. Um, the striper one I've had, it's, it's almost done. I don't know. I mean, I've probably got three or four hours in it. Uh, that the elk hunt though, it's going to be like edited probably eight or 10 minutes. So it's going to be like 12 hours of editing. Wow. So I've just kind of got that one sitting there because I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to sit there for twelve hours waiting on it. Yeah, that, that's wild. I mean, I guess you know perfection takes time, right? So <laughs> it'll be far from perfect, but yeah. to, to get that many shots and you know try to structure it to tell a story, that's yeah. that's the the tough part. The editing sucks. Shooting stuff, filming, taking pictures—that's awesome. But the editing is is a headache. Yeah, but I'm sure like when the, once the project's all done and finished, it's a, a good feeling, a satisfaction once you watch it over. It is. It is. I watch it for like two or three days, and then I don't look at it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> then it's on to the next. Yeah. So do those companies, do they kind of like give you like an outline of like, you know, what they want to see, give you details, or do they kind of give you free reign? Pretty much free reign. That's awesome. Yeah, just see what you can come up with. That's pretty sweet. So do you... Do you film your tournaments and stuff at all, or do you kind of just go fish no, those pleasure? I don't. Uh, I, don't. I, I tried, not tried. Uh, I thought that I wanted to two years ago, and I lost probably three or four fish, like six and a half, seven pounders, messing with the damn camera. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> you better get a check and quit worrying about <laughs> if your freaking GoPro's rolling or not. I'm going to try it this year. I've never hardwired, like, you know, power. I want to try one of those, uh, 
what are those things? Yolo sticks? The Yolo text? The Yolo yeah, text. I want to try yep. one of those. Uh, maybe that will make me run a camera more. I don't know. Yeah, I, that's one thing um, I've been filming for probably over three years with a simple GoPro. I had to strap it in the back kind of thing. Uh, I went from, you know, losing a bunch of fish to trying to, like, turn it on once it hooked up kind of thing. Yes, that's now what happened. Yeah, to now I'm at the point where I have I bring out three sixty four micros with my Hero Session, and I have an external battery that I have just uh, charging it all day long. Yes, yeah. way I just run it the entire way, which makes for a long time of searching through footage. But at the end of the day, but at the same time, you don't miss anything. You know, so a lot of people do the looping feature, but I don't know if you lose like, what if you're like midway through a fight with a fish and then your video loops like. <laughs> did you just lose that i don't know that's what concerned me i gotta figure this stuff out before i dive into it yeah i mean it's for me it's just i i bring multiple sd cards and i run it until it says you know memory full and then i put another sd card yeah and, and then you just you know as long as your battery is efficient enough you can run it from i've, I've done it from 5 a.m to 9 p.m when i've been out so it's it, it works that's might have been my I'm solution to look into something like that i don't know that's the only way i can do it like I can't do it having a bunch of batteries and honestly SD cards. Like I'd probably get like a 256 or something and there you go. Let her let her go. Yeah, yeah. Then you're good for the entire day at that point. Yeah, you just all you gotta do in the morning is you know you you load your kayak, you you head out in the water, you click record, and then you don't worry about it to the end of the day once you click record again to stop it. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I'm sure you get some pretty cool catches on film. I know. Well, see, I have all this crazy stuff happening, and I'm like, man, would have been cool to have that on on video. Yeah, I might do it. I might do it. I gotta order some new stuff. I I got, you know, order a bunch of uh, like I had the old, it used to be the Yak Attack Boomstick or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I had That's one what of I have. And I, I lost the mounting bracket. Anyway, I gotta get with Ram and and get some new stuff. There you go. Yeah, that's that's one thing I was talking with Greg about is how we like to film our our adventures and our fish catches and whatnot and how it's fun to create content but it's also cool because you're like you know in a sense you're creating a diary for yourself where you can go back and see if it fish catches and kind of study the way you fish in certain lakes and scenarios so it's kind of cool that way so i'm sure with you being the avid tournament angler and like how to how to better yourself i'm sure you would enjoy that that aspect of it yeah that's that's definitely on the list yeah so i mean it's going to be a I hope you can have it running for that national championship with the size of these fish you're talking about. Guaranteed. I'll probably run it for the <laughs> national championship because this is going to be like my farewell to <laughs> to the KBF national championship scene. So I'll probably go ahead and burn my spot on this one. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one thing that is kind of like a iffy subject, and I, I know. I've gotten it a couple times, at least up here, at some of the home lakes I have in New York, the Finger Lakes, where there's certain spots that I've discovered that are, are good, and I obviously want to film my catches. I don't care if people know about certain spots, but apparently other guys know about these oh, spots yeah. that I didn't know they knew about them. So I'll be at the boat ramp, and I'll be packing in or packing out, or they'll see me fishing out in the water, and they'll be like, saying they'll make a, a comment about not wanting me to, to post that video and how people are going to come fish it now, and I'm like, like this is public water. I mean, if you're upset about it, and I'm sorry, but we uh, when when the MLF was in town on Chickamauga, I took uh, Jordan Lee and Jason Lambert out fun fishing, kayak fishing, 
Yeah. And it was, it's kind of a secret spot. We call it Lake X. It's an oxbow that's off the highway and it's got some big fish in it, but it's really gone downhill because it gets a lot more pressure. And I don't think there's enough bait to maintain the size of fish in there. But this guy comes and he's like, you know, posting on Facebook, like, oh yeah, great. Now Jordan Lee's truck was down there parked by Lake X, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, making a big deal about it. And I think we might have caught like two or three 18 inch fish. It's like it wasn't anything spectacular, but you know, people were complaining about us filming down there. I mean, I don't know. I just I don't think it's gonna have that big of an impact on on anything. And I haven't filmed at this particular spot yet because we smash fish down there uh like i said for about six weeks out of the year i'm, yeah. I'm talking multiple five six pound smallmouth. we're talking giant large mouth um, so i hadn't i hadn't done that yet but i think i think that may be my my last hurrah there go ahead and <laughs> light it up one time yeah and jordan he's native as well right he works with me uh yeah yeah he's yeah he's sponsored sponsored by native yeah so it was is Jason with um yeah. as well? Yeah, I, I do. That's so cool. I actually met Jason at a bar in Nashville and I had on a hog farmer baits t shirt and he's like, What do you know about hog farmer? And I turn around, there's this big dude in like a sport coat and a button down. I was like, Why does this guy look familiar? And he's like, Jason Lambert and I was like, Ha Ryan Lambert, nice to meet you. And <laughs> we hung out all night. I ended up carrying him and putting him in an uber and sending him home and uh <laughs> and we got to talking after that and he's like man i'd like to get some kayaks and start kayak fishing so i met him in uh, gatlinburg they were on vacation and took him to the native factory and picked him and his wife ashley picked him up a couple kayaks and uh awesome. then like i said we hung out when he was here on chickamauga and uh i mean it's just funny how kind of how all this stuff comes together yeah. sometimes but yeah he's a he's a good one gerald swindle he's got some Got some natives now. Him and his wife have been out fishing in them lately. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen that. That's that's pretty awesome to kind of see all these pros who are known for, you know, in the boater world, but all are hopping into the kayaks and kind of getting with the times where kayaks become, it's coming bigger. So it's, yep. yeah, and that was one thing uh, I had Mike Elsie on here the other day as well. And we were talking about how, you know, how much more cost effective it is to try to make it in the kayak fishing world rather than the boater world. Cause he, originally started with the the opens and the costs that come along with it it is more cost effective but until we get some non-endemic sponsors to come in and really put up some cash mm -hmm. um there's not you can't make a living just kayak fishing yet uh you know there's guys that like drew gregory and and hoover and and Robert Field even, um, you know, that earn an income doing something to do with fishing, but it's not tournament fishing. Like, mm -hmm. that's not – I know we have people that do it. Uh, Eric Siddiqui, Cody Milton, uh, Josh Stewart, Christine Fisher, you know, that they travel all the time and fish. But when you talk about – when I say make a living, I mean make a living, have a house and a car and a family yep. and a kid, like – you you make enough money to survive. You don't make enough money to, you know, cover your expenses or whatever, but I'm talking about like an actual life supporting income. So I don't think we're there yet. Uh, hopefully within the next, I don't know, three or four years, you'll see more of an investment marketing wise from some of these companies that, that will step it up. But I think we've got a long way to go before you can, you know, support a hundred guys 
making sixty or seventy thousand dollars a year to support themselves. Yeah, it, it's, it's a big difference yeah. for sure. Yeah, I, I think with all these new trails submerging, it's going to bring more attention to it, and hopefully, you know, that's a possibility for anglers down the road. Let's hope so. I think. I think really. I mean, Hobie has done, like I said, what they did with running the tournaments. How smooth it is, and just it's such a good feeling for the anglers. They really put the focus on the anglers themselves. Uh, that was a huge step in the right direction. BASS starting a kayak trail. That's huge from name recognition. Like yeah. that's something that that all these these outside companies they you recognize the name bass like yeah. that's how you know it's real uh what flw did having two tournaments last year that was cool but it didn't i don't think in my opinion it didn't take off i think only like 40 or 50 something showed up for that cup that they had out there i mean you to to really get that attention you have to deliver on the product so there has to be that support from the community like if BASS, if they average 40 people at a tournament, they're not going to do it again. Like that's, it's not going to happen. So yeah. I think it's, it's important for us to step up and support, you know, these opportunities. Yeah, for sure. Which is, I think a, a big reason why a lot of people that I've been talking with on the New York scene are looking forward to seeing um, one of the BASS ones in New York and how a lot of people want to take a crack at it. And it, it's, and you made a great point, and that's one thing I agree with, is slapping that BASS label and that logo on a kayak series is, is huge. Because growing up, you might not be the biggest fisherman, but you'll see guys walking, uh, you'll, you know that logo. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's a brand, I guess, advancement in a sense, you know, where it's, it, it adds a little bit more sense of legitimacy to kayak fishing and For sure. competitive kayak fishing. Yep. So it's... It's going to be exciting to see moving, you know, moving forward where kayak fishing goes in a competitive sense. But one thing I'm curious about, you know, with you traveling all over the place and, you know, maintaining all these different projects, and it's got to be awesome. But where do you get the time to practice and strategize for tournaments? Um, like I said, I mean, I either have to structure where I'm working so I'm near there, mm-hmm. or, um or take time off work and and go spend a few days. I do a lot of map study, you know, a lot of research, whether it's watching YouTube videos or reading articles or checking tournament results and seeing if you can pick something up from, you know, from there. And then when you get to these places, you're always meeting people there. There's always, you know, an old guy in a John boat, for instance, we were on Caddo for the national championship and this old dude on a John boat rolls up on us and is talking about, you know, what are y'all doing out here in kayaks, blah, blah, blah. Well, <laughs> he ends up like tell, basically telling me which way to go uh, to find this big, you know, big flat out there. And, and I caught pre-fish and I had three over six pounds uh, that I wouldn't have found at all if it weren't for this guy. So, I mean, just being out there, time on the water, like you have to, you have to invest time on the water. I, I can't think of one tournament that I've gone into blind and done well at all. Like it's so, I mean, it, it's like pulling a rabbit out of a hat. Like you can't rely on that kind of luck on tournament day, not with the caliber of anglers that we have in the sport now. Five or six years ago in these local trails, if you went out and caught a limit, you were pretty good. Now mm-hmm. in our local club, even if you're doing a three fish tournament, if you don't have like 58 inches, you might as well put your boat on the trailer and go home. Like it's, 
you know, you, people know what they're doing, you know, yeah. it's, this isn't kind of second rate just for fun stuff anymore. Like there's some sticks that are, that are in this sport. Yeah. And you know, if you're not putting in the time and preparation, somebody else is. Oh yeah, for sure. Definitely. And those are the ones that are holding the checks all the time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's why you keep seeing, you know, the same names pop up over and over again because they're putting in the time and the work. And, you know, the big driver behind it is the passion, right? So it's yep. it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see where the sport goes. I'm pretty excited for it. Um actually kind of cool news is my podcast recently has got named the official podcast for and New York's KBF series. So that's gonna be nice. cool to kind of host them and uh, see where things go from there, but um, kind of leading forward into a different direction. I was gonna wanted to allot you some time to shout out any social media you have, any and any pro staff. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously you can find me on Facebook, Ryan Lambert, or Instagram at Ryan Parker Lambert. Uh, I have a YouTube channel that I'll link back and forth there. I don't really, I'm not a YouTuber. I'm not like. I don't do like gimmick videos and, you know, big, bright, flashy letters and stuff. I, I'm not into that scene. So I'll do projects and I'll post them there. Um, sponsors, I mean, Hook One, that's our local shop here in Nashville. Yep. Uh, Plano, I work with Plano a pretty good bit. Uh, Z-Man, Calco's Fishing, they've been great. Boondocks, anything I need. Uh, Tim has it on my doorstep, you know, in a day or two. Um Dakota Lithium, they've been good. You know, this year they've they've hooked a lot of people up, you know, taking care of battery needs. And honestly, they're pretty good. I've got a I run a, a mega hummingbird mega nine and I can run it for like six hours on the on the small 10 amp hour battery. Like it's it's pretty wow. decent. Uh I mean I, I don't know. I don't know. I work with a lot of people and I thank them for their support, but I can't. That's awesome. without a, without a list in front of me, I can't really think of anything. So if I forgot somebody, I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it's hard to, you know, to remember sometimes when you have a, a big team supporting you. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's all that's kind of fluid in this sport. You know, everybody comes in and you, you want to be sponsored and work with companies and whatnot. Honestly, uh, a lot of it is, you know, when people get started out, it's a discount or free product or whatnot. But to me, like the stuff that you get to do uh, with the companies is the part that makes a difference, like product development or, uh, you know, media projects or whatever. That's the fun stuff. That's what I like. Uh, if, yeah. I, if I don't get to do that stuff, there's not anything in it for me. Like, you know, saving a couple bucks on a bag of baits isn't really helping me out that much in the grand yeah. scheme of things. Yeah, you want to be a part of something rather than just be known to, to use something. You want to be a part of, you know, the the buildup of that of that brand and that company. And a lot of it is, you know, they're using you to push their product. So you need to make sure as an angler you're getting something back out of it, whether it's them promoting you as well or or, you know, financial compensation or whatever. I mean, you yeah. need to kind of know your worth I, my buddy steve-o that's running the bass uh, as a tournament director now i told him it's probably been seven or eight months ago i was like all right you know we've reached the point steve like it's not free anymore like we're not we're not doing this stuff for free so when sponsors hit our club up you know how much how much do you want to pay to to be <laughs> to be a sponsor it's not you know we're not bending over backwards and and helping people out for nothing. I think that's something as this sport grows and as anglers 
in it, we need to remember this is just like, you know, just like the big leagues, like they're getting uh, that marketing reach to a very target specific audience. So don't, don't sell yourself out too cheap. Yeah, for sure. Then you got to know your worth. So it's, yeah. And then you have to see, you know, you want something, you got to work for it. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah. So kind of moving forward into some uh, interesting questions I have that I ask each podcast. It's right. more of like a, a fun question segment, not saying that our conversation wasn't fun, but these ones are always have different answers. Uh, so I, I always find it intriguing to ask. Um, well, this one's my favorite one. And it is if you could sit down to and have dinner with three different people, past or present, doesn't have to be anything fishing related that you'd wanted to speak to and pick their brain, who would they be? Uh, Mark Twain, Mark Twain, Teddy Roosevelt, and probably younger Bill Dance. Younger Bill Dance? <laughs> I met older Bill Dance. He's hanging in there, but I'd like to, <laughs> I'd like to sit down with younger Bill Dance and, uh, that's and pick his brain. That's awesome. That's the third time I've actually gotten Teddy Roosevelt. People He's seem a badass, to... man. Stick yeah. softly and carry a big stick. He knew yeah. what he was doing. It's just true. Yeah. It seems like a lot of people want to pick his brain, which I don't blame him. So, yeah. And then, and lastly, this question is kind of like uh, just to wrap up the, the podcast, leave it on a good note. Um, you know, your favorite fishing memory? Oh, uh, my favorite fish. So, the first time I took my daughter out kayak fishing, she's got a manta ray propel. Okay. And this was two years ago now. And she's bouncing on that rig along and she hooks like a, I don't know, two and a half pound bass. And she's excited. I mean, by herself, this is her first bass ever. And I'm sitting there, like got my phone out, you know, trying to record it or whatever. And she reels it like all the way up to the end of the rod. <laughs> like, <laughs> like almost breaks. Uh, it's a small finesse rod and almost breaks the rod. And I mean, that just like the excitement on her face. And she's like, I'm just like you, dad. She's like, we're catching buckets and like slinging the <laughs> fish around. That's my favorite fishing memory by far. That's awesome. Rightfully so. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's something that's going to stay with her and you for you know the rest of your guys' life. So, yeah. It's moments like that where you kind of, you leave an impact on somebody that's kind of, you know, you opened up a lifestyle for. It. So it's. No, no matter what else you do tournament wins or what stage you get on or you know that's not nobody's going to remember that i mean i hate to <laughs> burst anybody's right. bubble nobody's going to remember that in two years three years it's stuff like that you know interactions with kids or the friendships that you make through this stuff that's what carries over the most and i think that's probably what we need to keep in mind more so than anything else in all this it's bigger than an ego it's bigger than a, a logo it's uh yep. about the people that are in it yeah, and the impact you you make on those people and the, you know all the participants involved. That, that's a great point. Yeah, it's it's been a pleasure having you on, Ryan. It's been a a very enjoyable conversation, talking different things and hear about your your crazy lifestyle. Uh, yeah, about to keep it get, keep it going. Get get down the road now. Oh yeah, yeah. I won't I won't keep you too long. Won't keep you distracted. Uh, but uh. Oh, we'll be keeping tabs on you um, throughout the, the rest of the tournaments and seeing how you do. And we'll definitely won't be strangers. We'll keep in touch. And uh, yeah, you know, thanks definitely. for having me on. Good luck in New York. Yeah, Get appreciate it. Trail done. Catch some fish, man. Yeah, and if you ever find yourself up in New York and want to get on some you know, some smallmouth or some 
Can I you actually, I come up and hunt Champlain every now and then. I was on Champlain uh, last year, went duck hunting up there at a kayak. So I'm, that's pretty I'm, sweet. I might make my way back up there when it thaws out. Yeah, if uh, you know, you know, pre-spawn time in the spring. If you ever find yourself up there, Cayuga, they drop dirty thirties all the time, and they're very mm. low key. So if you're ever interested, you know, hit me up. I'll be up here. I'm more than willing to link up with you. So sounds good, man. All right, you take care. All right, see you, man. Hey guys, I just want to say thank you for listening to my podcast in its entirety. With that being said, if you'd like to support the Serious Angler Podcast, please head to my page and click support. Any amount really helps me be able to create content for you guys and also helps me, you know, pay the bills, which gives me more time to make podcasts for you guys. Thank you guys again for listening to the Serious Angler Podcast, and we'll see you guys next time.